Kei ngā puanani o te reo taumaira ki te māra kōrero o te hui. Ko mihi ngā rangi tēnei e mihi atu nei kia koutou katoa. Ia tātou e whakanui i te wiki o te reo. Welcome to the hui Māori Current Affairs for all New Zealanders. E taroa kenei. A Māori med student determined to restore the health of te reo Māori. Ko Isaac Smaila tō kuihua, he tākotau ki te huipera ni. If it's going to survive for another 100 years, it's kind of on us to revitalise, teach our own children and pass it on. A story of reclamation. This Māori Language Week, we celebrate the real journey of Isaac Smiler. I had to, you know, just be brave and give it a go. Then, hāngi for the hungry. There are a lot of Māori uh, that are homeless um, on the streets, and so I'm doing a thousand meals in a week between two of us in our pub. We check out the kaupapa that's feeding hundreds during lockdown. Tahuti Maira. It's said that a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. But when it came to Isaac Smiler's real journey, it took him halfway across the world and back home again before it even began. Now the descendant of Kahunganu, Waikato and Ngaitahu is helping others learn te reo, all while studying to be a doctor. Itu takiatu a John Boynton ki iho pumanoa. Kia karawa te puna mōhio, kia kirikawa ki te tū, kia kai tokomuri te puku ki ngā rerenga kōrero o tuawhakarere. Nāti Kahununu Uri, Isaac Smiler, is on a journey to reclaim the language of his tūpuna. Te reo's been lost from my whānau for a few generations. It's been lost from my grandfather to my father and to me. But a connection which was once lost is being strengthened again. I feel like my heart is turned towards my ancestors or to my fathers. You know, by learning my language, I feel a stronger connection to them. Every Sunday, Isaac Smiler and his wife, Naruaroha, attend service at the Church of the Latter-day Saints. The couple grew up in the church, and for Isaac, his real journey would be inspired after living in the Philippines for two years on his mission. I had to learn how to speak their language, which is called Bisaya, or Cebuano, it has two names. So I spent my, my mornings studying the scriptures and studying the language, and then come around lunchtime, would eat, leave the house and uh, start talking to people. It gave us an insight into how, um, how they think, feel, perceive the world. But immersing himself in another language and culture left him feeling confused. I, I came home almost feeling Filipino, you know, I felt, you know, I had a Filipino heart, you know, it was, it was beautiful, you know, and I, and I still love the people and, and their place a lot. But paying all that attention to the Filipino culture it made me think about my own, you know, think about myself and my own blood. And then I started to realise how little I knew about my own culture and language and world perception, I guess. Yeah. Eventually, he'd moved from the tropics of the Philippines to Otepoti and Te Waipaunamu to train as a doctor. 
the first year I made it into medical school, that's when I decided, okay, it's time to take this seriously now. Now he's in his fourth year of medical school at the University of Otago. Side effects or what are the risks of clozapine? Today he's leading a discussion on Māori health models with his classmates. Four sides of the, of the house are tahatinana. And despite his intense study schedule, he's just as committed to learning te reo Māori. It's given me a nice break and separation from the stress of medical school. His wife, Naru Aroha, has seen Isaac throw himself into learning. First, by watching lots of Māori children's shows. Just watching any Māori programs like Okahuia, Takaro Tribe was like his first few. It's not like I understood what they were saying. I was just, again, just immersing myself, trying to copy what they would say and how they would sound and stuff. Yeah. Why did you dedicate yourself so much by doing all these things, having it in the home? Just because that's how I learned in the Philippines, being surrounded by it all the time. I couldn't do that here in Dunedin, so I had to artificially create you know, an environment where the reo was spoken all the time. His next goal was creating a reo environment at the University of Otago Medical School. Isaac set up beginner real classes for med students at the university. His friend and fellow med student Nick Sinnott is also on his real journey. And they both see the massive benefits of trainee doctors learning the language. It means a lot as Māori as well, actually, to be able to use te reo in our practice, because um, we're, at the end of the day, here to help people. And if that's one extra thing we can do to remove a barrier um, to primary health care, then, then we want to do it. Mistrust between Māori and the health system is historically quite big. So it's just one of those ways to increase that trust between doctors and Māori patients is understanding their worldview, which you can't do any better than through learning te reo Māori. Now te reo Māori is an everyday part of Isaac's life, from his home to his studies and his other love, basketball. He often talks team strategy in te reo Māori. My biggest barrier, I guess, obstacle was the fear of mistakes. Yeah, the shame. You don't want to try and have a conversation with te reo Māori and, yeah, they look all confused at you and, you know, so you feel bad, you know. <laughs> you feel, you feel whakamā and a bit embarrassed. I had to, you know, just be brave and give it a go and then if it doesn't go so well, then remember that, correct the mistake I had and carry on. He knows he still has a long way to go, but he's even inspired Naru Aroha to learn te reo. So what's been the most rewarding part of Isaac's journey and, and you beginning your own? Just having it more, I guess, present in our lives. The revival and survival of our language is in kind of our generation, the rangatahi and taiohi. So yeah, if it's going to survive for another 100 years, it's kind of on us to revitalise, teach our own children and pass it on. Koe kei a koe Isaac. 
And that story was shot prior to lockdown. Kia mautonu mai rā, e hoa mā, ka kōre ruahau, kia John Tamihiri Akwane. That's been the mantra for the West Auckland team, vaccinating and testing up to 3,000 people each day. Now the Ministry of Health is joining forces with Te Whanau or Waipareira to reach the 6,000 Māori in the West who are yet to engage in the COVID vaccination rollout. I Despite the tireless work of organisations like Te Whanau or Waipareira and others, you know, the Māori vaccination rate is still lagging behind Pākehā. Can you give us a few insights into what do you think is causing it? Yeah, um, we were excluded from the design process of the rollout of the vaccinations. And uh, even our expert um, panel of advisors uh, um, were beside themselves in that regard. So we have major problems, um, and, it, and it's because one third of our people uh, on the dollar, one third are working poor. Uh, they're, they're, they're just struggling to survive. And so what they do is just wait at the back of the queue for the queue to die down. That's how they think. That's how they've been taught. In um, six months, what we're saying to the government is uh, hand over our data to us. Uh, we will identify where there are spaces available up and down the country and we will invite our people to come down to the centre closest to them. Uh, we spoke with uh, Carmel Sepuloni uh, in terms of not the vaccination but in terms of uh, just support for the community um, and she said that there are talks in motion uh, with organisations like yourself. Are they too slow? The Ministry of Social Development is the largest funder of programmes across um, and engaging with Māori. Uh, but they treat us as animals standing outside as queues and being tapped down by security guards and all this sort of stuff. And really, it's a humanity thing. So we want devolvement uh, and transfers of uh, those programs across to Māori by Māori for Māori. And, um, uh, you know, the buck's got to stop with some of these ministers shortly. We've worked our way through their bureaucrats who are, are reluctant resistant and then totally oppositional. When we spoke to the Ministry of Health in terms of um, some of the aware and um, the concerns of Waipareira in terms of being able to reach their people, they said that, uh, that they're doing a phone, like a phone rollout where they're going to contact 6,000 unreachable Māori in, we in West. Has that had any impact? No, um, look, it, it won't because it's about them controlling the whole narrative and the way in which we engage with our people. So there's a way to talk to Māori people when you do, with their phone numbers do ring and they are on. Now, our people are, are strong on social media, but they are not turned on uh, by messages that are crafted by some bald heads in Wellington. So, you know, it just doesn't work for us. And so um, we, what we want is the data passed across to us because it's in the hands of a lot of non-Māori organisations today uh, and we're a treaty partner and yet we're blocked. So what is the issue? What do you think the issue is? Why won't they simply just hand over the numbers, the 6,000 numbers, so that you get you know, a, um, a group of your own people on those phones? Well, there's this nonsense about... Um, uh, privacy and all that. Well, we've already passed muster on that because every GP doesn't have that. Now, we've got a GP system called NedTech and we can look through the back of things, but it takes forever 
you see. And so while we can get access, as of right, we can't get access to Māori megadata. And what we need is breakout data to all our providers up and down the country so they can go out and honour their people and, and invite them in, in the inimitable style that only Māori have when dealing with other Māori. What are the numbers that you're managing to push through in terms of vaccination and testing out there? Well, up to the last six days, um, we were doing, or had the opportunity to do 1,800 people up at um, the, the Trust Stadium in Central Park Drive, and 1,200 people just over here at Whānau Centre uh, a day. And that's, why, that's why we're up now to 70,000 vaccinations. Um, the problem we, we have, of course, is, is that uh, no one gives us the opportunity to actually be part of the traffic that comes to us. And so we had four days full of the North Shore coming across. Um, in the last five days, we could have vaxxed another 5,000 people, but um, the Crown turned the appointments down across the whole of Auckland. That's a vaccination rationing issue. So that's book my vaccine that we all have to go on to to make our appointments. You're saying that uh, the Ministry of Health held back numbers that you could have vaccinated. Oh, there's no doubt about that, across the whole of Auckland. Otherwise, the Prime Minister wouldn't be announcing she's finally located some Pfizer in Denmark, some Pfizer in Spain. You know, we're not all stupid, for goodness sakes. <laughs> if we were, to, we were told in the last six days that, that um, the appointments would be turned down, I could have stood down some of my hard-working staff that have been working 12-hour days. Recently, uh, David Seymour, the leader of the ACT Party, has been called all sorts of names actually this week um, after releasing one of the, um, the codes uh, that were to promote Māori vaccinations out west. Uh, you know, what's your response to him? Some members of his party have contacted me to say that they were appalled, right, uh, and, and wanted to apologise. My view is, is that he purposely set out to sabotage for race-baiting reasons um, our right to equality of access. See, this is an equality of access. I'm not a David Seymour that wakes up when I'm, when I'm um, a mother with three babies solo and I'm on a benefit. And I don't, have the same, I don't have the same equality of rights that Mr Seymour and his mates do. She doesn't. And so what we want is equality of rights of access to vaccines for her if she wants them. Now, Mr um, Seymour went out of his way to destroy and sabotage that, and particularly... When, when we've just buried the first Delta death being a Waipareta nanny. Do you think Mr Seymour realises um, how COVID treats Māori differently and how important it is that Māori have a high vaccination rate so that all New Zealanders are protected? He knows all of that. Okay, he knows all of that. Uh, but that's not the type of politics he wants to play. Okay, he wants to use us as a brown football because it appeals to his rump. It appeals to the rump in the National Party as well. No doubt about that. And uh, he has apologists, you know, like Janet Wilson and Duplessis Allen uh, and the rest of it as apologists for him uh, banging his drum. One of the biggest issues we're seeing now is that while um, Māori 65 plus are doing all right actually in vaccination, the group that's really concerning is the 30 to 39, I think only 10% uh, yep. and then 29, uh, 20 and under, or 29 and under, only 5% are vaccinated. How are you going to reach... Uh, there's plenty of those out west. How are you going to reach that cohort? Yeah, look, um, we, we've got to be uh, knowing about what we're after. We have 28,400 Māori over 65, and we've done very good at targeting them in lockdown 1 2020, and we knew where they were. Further, further down the food chain, 
um, what we, we will never get any more than 70% of Māori uh, okay, vaccinated. So as long as we get as many people uh, over 30 vaccinated as possible, and then we have to run the gamut on those uh, uh, 12 up to, well, 12 ups, their parents should get them vaxxed, but 18 up or 16 up to 30, we're always going to have a problem in, in that um, cohort because they're deeply suspicious of uh, Crown-related engineered product distribution called vaccinations. <laughs> well, we asked David Seymour for an interview, but he declined. Waipareira CEO John Tamihere was happy to front up. When Level 4 restrictions closed restaurants in Tāmaki Makaurau, our whānau living on the streets lost a major source of kai. That spurred Hāngi master Rewi Spragan into action, firing up his pits to feed the hungry during lockdown. Rewi wanted to ease the pressure on food banks and kitchens, serving Aotearoa's oldest cuisine to those in need of a kai. Kia It's a win-win situation. It's the oldest dish in Aotearoa. Everyone should be able to have a good meal, homeless or whatever. Whether you're royalty or living under a bridge, it doesn't matter. We put the same aroha into every meal and the way we cook the kai, and um, that's the way we've been taught and that's the way I'll teach people. So six hour process. So we're up at five this morning. On the menu, chicken, pork, kumura, pumpkin, potatoes, stuffing, cabbage. So there's seven options there for the meal. The beauty of Hangi is that it's uh, a community kai. And that's why our old people cooked it, because we could feed a lot of people with a small budget. And so that's, that's why we do it. You estimate that you'll probably end up serving about 5,000 meals during this lockdown. How difficult was it for you to find the putia to fund it? I was looking at 700 meals a week, but it's actually gone up to 1,000 meals a week. The generosity of people have been great. Um, from um, sourcing putia from the likes of uh, Minister Willie Jackson, he's given some good putia for us to get out there and really push us through for about four weeks, uh, different meals. And then um, we've also got Brita March, Māori owned business, Kota, and then my business that have uh, given time. I'm fortunate I've got a lot of networks where I've worked with over the years and um, that would just do anything like this at the drop of a hat. There's a lot of good people out there. There's a lot of good producers and suppliers that are giving kai. You have had a few challenges though the storm the other week. Probably the biggest rain in 50 years storm washed out our road. I didn't realise how bad the storm was. I went down and there's no way you could get out in the morning. Uh, the road was flooded in about four places past my window on my truck. Luckily, it had dropped quite fast and so I managed to get out, uh, drive through a flood that was probably about a good 800 metres sort of guessing where the road was, but uh, you know the old story, the hanging must get through. <laughs>
Did it surprise you to see just how much need was out there? I know the struggles and the hardship. We've just seen that increase and increase. 20 years ago, people were too shy to ask for kai, or too whakamā. But now it's it's a different different story. The families are really depending on food banks. Uh, Ngā Whare Wātea, they have a food bank there. Our usual numbers is roughly about 40 uh, food parcels a day. We are now um, we are now distributing out 140 a day. The food banks are really struggling. The food's going as fast as it's coming in. If I can help relieve a bit of that pressure, a, a number of uh, the volunteers there are now um, volunteering, pack the kai, delivering the kai. They also look after a lot of our uh, our people that have come out of prison, women and male, and a lot of them want to turn their lives around. Uh, you have a very personal understanding, don't you, of why some people choose to live a life on the street. I had a cousin who passed away uh, about four years ago. He was living on the um, streets. A lot of me and my whānau, we um, offered accommodation for him. He didn't accept any offer from any of my cousins from our whānau. Unfortunately, it took a heavy toll on him. There, he died of a heart attack. He was only about 45. They're a hidden part of our community that, um, you know, a lot of us don't know of. But the more we can support them, you know, it could change their lives too. You know, so um, just giving them a bit of a boost in life, a step up, is, um, is a big thing. The cooking is a seven hour process from setting the pits up to lighting the fire to preparing the kai. Uh, once the fire started, we've got three hours to prep 350 meals. Get that ready, then put it down, then there's another three hours. Within that three hours, you're getting ready for the setup. You're then setting up for the next day. So it's ongoing, you know, you, you never stop. So yeah, by the time you finish the day, it's a good 12 hour, hour day. This is the hidden part of our community. But at the end of the day, they're our whanauna. Much love to the whanau. They papa to the same maunga, to the same awa. You know, just um, going into these places and looking at the people smiling and, you know, it's just, it just makes it really worthwhile. And I think that's the biggest gratitude for me and my team is, is just watching people enjoy your kai. I suppose for me, it's just more of a driver to actually do more, um, you know, when you actually see it and, you know, just keep the mahi going. Kua hikina te hui e huama, nō reira, hei whakamānawa i te wiki o te reo Māori, anei te waiata ka hao, nā Rob Ruha. Kia kaha te reo Māori, nō Horomaira.
Best be ready for the time of your life. Cruising down the highway 35. with support from New Zealand On Air.